This is Geek Gab on the Books. Brian Niemeyer, BrianNiemeyer.com. And today we are going to be discussing characterization. It's one of the two most important elements of any story, other being conflict. But really, of the two, conflict on its own is nothing without character, which I'm sure we'll be discussing with our special guest. He's an author and a personal friend of mine. Uh, I'm also editing his next book. I'd love to welcome to On the Books, Justin Knight. Justin, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks very much. I'm pleased to be here. Outstanding. We're glad to have you. So before we get into the main topic, talking about character, mm -hmm. is there anything you'd like to get off your chest right off the bat? Um, no, let's just jump right in. All right, so characters, as I said in the opening, without character, you don't have a story. Okay, because a story is a character who wants something, who faces obstacles to obtaining that thing, and then either succeeds in overcoming them or doesn't, and it's the dramatic tension between the character's wants and the opposition that creates creates a dramatic tension that drives conflict comes in. So I've, I've mentioned before how the conflict really with, without character is just, just, just violence. You know, it, it's really, and um, from reading your work, especially the new book that you're working on now, I've noticed that, is one of your strengths. So if you don't mind me asking, uh, how do you come up with your characters? They, they, they seem very vivid and very real. Um, it's based on two things I do. First of all, I look uh, at people around me and I either base a character on them outright um, or I blend two or three together. Um, and with regard to some of the villains that uh, you've read, those are based upon personalities or things that I've seen in the news either over recent years or in the dim and distant past, where I think that would be an interesting character arc for a villain and so forth. And um, it's put in the notebook. Um, I develop it over a slow period of time, and then voila, there I have either a, protagonist or an antagonist let's see um if you kept track of about how long it takes to go from from the initial influence from real life for the news to the page like how long do you let it percolate in in your notebook oh well that depends on who it's based on um with there's a character in the book who is partially uh, based on or uh, with regards to a radical feminist and something she wrote a while ago. Um, and I remember looking at this uh, bit she wrote and thinking, what if someone had gone to that sort of place and then been pulled out of it and looked back and think, oh my God, was I like that? So. 
that story appeared i think about three years ago and it always stuck in my head for some reason and when i wanted this character um i thought of that story again so that kind of plotting took a couple of days of me sort of seriously thinking well what would i want her to go through uh, after that event um so i think there's about two to three days maybe of vivid notes um in the notebook to what she ended up as so that brings up a somewhat tangential point but i think it's important to discuss it now in light of what you just said which is not just about characterization but about influence management Mm -hmm. and cultivating ideas because like like you said you draw these these characters in real life but then the important turning point whether you know it or not was when he asked what if and that's where all yeah that's where all speculative fiction arises from yeah go ahead yeah um i love the what if scenario because those um is another factor i like to put into my characters is they've got to be relatable and if you put a relatable character in a what if situation their character could go anywhere over the course of that story as they have done with the two books that i've written um so it's it's a way of watching their characters progress uh either grow or destroy themselves i suppose i know i mean that's what i love about the term what if it can go anywhere with a relatable character which is i guess perhaps another reason a decline in marvel comic sales because their characters are boring now where else can you go with them? You can't kill them. They'll just come back in the next issue. <laughs> no, that's an outstanding point. Uh, before we get into that, I want yeah. to ask you, so what in your experience are the ingredients for character relatability? What what makes a character relatable? Well, to, to me, it's a character that's based in the regular working world, for example. You know, someone that's got a nine-to-five job or a, uh, an outside-of-sociable-hours job. You know, they either work early mornings or night shifts. And with these these jobs and these lives, there are problems that these characters go through and have to deal with. And if you explore that carefully and not make it more boring and mundane, as say perhaps anybody that could read it, they will think, hey, I kind of know this guy or girl already. This is me in one sense or another. So to me, you're kind of pulling them in gently in that respect. I mean... In the one that's coming out soon, um, I think the second chapter uh, details arriving for work early in the morning, your hair's not combed, your glasses are dirty, the weather's crap. How many people have had that on a Monday morning? So it's it's kind of a way of, um, how do I put this, giving the reader a familiar situation as well as a relatable character. That's one way I like to put it. Yeah, that's well put. I'll just chime in here because in my style of writing, the the, the genres that I work in, it's mm-hmm. a little harder to do that more kind of um, interpretive fiction, I suppose. Like a because when you talk about that, that's a bit more literary, yeah, than speculative. And that's fine. You can you can mix genres like that. You know, I'm, yeah, but, I'm not opposed to. I mean, uh, one example of why uh, the film Alien was so successful 
was because Ridley Scott didn't know much about sci-fi, so he just did it as truckers in space. And you can sort of tell that with the way the sets are. It's not fantastically shiny sets and you know magnificent gleaming uh, technology. It's dirty sets. The the uh, a lot of the uh, machinery you see there is old, crappy-looking stuff. There's a relatability into it. Exactly, and uh, I've I've found it darkly humorous how the space truckers from the first movie show far more intelligence and, and and I suppose just common sense than the trained scientists from Prometheus or Alien Covenant. You know, we're walking around <laughs> in a hostile world without helmets on and just like touching everything. Uh, well, I think that has something to do with the fact that uh, Prometheus was written by uh, people that I wouldn't want going near any of my stuff. Um, I haven't seen Covenant yet, but all I've heard so far has advised me to stay away from it. Yeah, we covered that on uh, on GeekGab Prime, actually. I remember. Yeah, and I remember. Daddy Warpig was here in the chat. Took the bullet for us and saw it, and yeah, he he does not willingly recommend it. Mm. Although it wasn't written by David Lindelof, it was uh, written by someone else. I believe Ridley Scott was involved. I'm going to look up later. Mm. But uh, yeah, whether whether it's the direction or the, the writing, that too is a vital element of characterization, which is do your characters hold what is playfully called the idiot ball? Right, you know what I'm talking about? Where, you know, the uh, the babysitter who's home alone is confronted by the accidentally murderer knocking on the door and she runs up the stairs. No, God, no. I try to avoid stuff like that because I think it's been done to, to, done to death now. What I like to think of um, with mine is um, the the Dylan approach, as in Dylan from Predator, who's was originally written as the villain, but changed to a guy that just makes some very bad choices. Um, so if they're... I'm trying to think now. but I don't think I've had anybody do anything out of stupidity. It's been of either bad circumstances or they've made a wrong choice. The idiot ball, I can't stand that idea. Um, oh, they, it reminds me of a, a show I saw uh, on TV over here a while ago where this lady is running from a killer and she hides in a cupboard. And I think, what the fuck are you doing? Get out of the house. And obviously he caught her. So that's, yeah, I avoid the idiot ball as best I can. It's actually physically hard for me to restrain myself from yelling at the screen. Yeah. In those circumstances. But yeah, so that that, that is something for our listeners to avoid is don't have characters make decisions just because the plot requires it. They should flow naturally from character. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you've mentioned that you base your characters on people you know or people from from the news. Mm -hmm. You sort of let let them stew and let them percolate around your mind, and then yeah, ask a series of what if questions. Yeah. Now I'm I'm curious. Are there any cases where a character that you based on someone? has been somewhat disguised because you, you wouldn't necessarily want the subject to know that the character is based on him. Um, 
a couple of times, yes. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm treading carefully here. Um, there is one right. character. No, 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 it's okay. I'm, I won't mention names, but there is one character yeah. who was based on this. Oh, how do I describe him? Rather repulsive online blogger that I'd come across in the past. And I thought to myself, if I'd, if I'd create anybody in a book to have them meet a sticky end, it would be him. And um, I did, and he does. I really like that, that term, by the way, a sticky end. I mean, <laughs> I feel that. No, that, that's super evocative. Good job. Yeah. But it's it's got it's kind of worked against me at one point as well because I had a character in the new book. Um his name's Paul and he's based on someone I know called Paul. And to give him a character arc, a minor one, he's a minor character, uh, was to have him be separated from his his um spouse and them sort of getting into rows with each other and her giving him uh difficulties in seeing their child. Which I thought was cool because I know a lot of people that have had that happen to them in the past. And mm. one day I, over, I overheard him having a conversation where he was talking about his ex giving him hassles about seeing their daughter. And I thought, oh shit, I've literally um, done a life imitating art scenario here. And he knew I put was putting him in the book because I said to him about it a while back. And I actually walked up to him and said, dude, I'm really sorry, I've done this. And he was like, oh, okay. And I said, look, do you want me to take it out of the book? And he went, no, leave it in. <laughs> Well, it's good that you let you off easy. I mean, well, <laughs> that was bold. You didn't even change the name. <laughs> well, uh, I, I put people in there as like tributes as well as um, wanting them to have a sticky end. Um, right, I think I that found, comes through. Yeah, but um, with his character, it was put in there out of respect because he's he's such a good worker as I know him. Um, and yeah, he liked the idea of it. Well, all's well that ends well. Yeah. Speaking of which, we are down to the last minute. So, did you have any projects that you wanted our listeners to know about? Do you have any, have any books to pimp, short stories, and any magazines or anthologies? I mean, this is the time where I lend you the platform to go for it. Well, on Amazon currently, at the time of this stream, I have a short story and my first novel on there. The short story is Darkest Before Dawn, and the novel is Nomads. My next book will be out, uh, I'd like to say, within a month, uh, which will be called Penance. After that, I'm working on a novella, and then I'll be straight on to my next novel, which I'm going to go into the sci-fi horror territory. Excellent. Well, I certainly wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you. For our listeners at home, you're welcome. And let, let me also point out that links to Justin's Amazon page are below in the show notes. And also, if you'd like to subscribe to this channel, remember YouTube's double secret subscription policy. You not only have to click subscribe, but also click the little bell icon in order to receive notifications of upcoming shows, which in the case of On the Books... Every Wednesday. So we are out of time. I'd like to thank Justin. I would like to thank everyone at home who's listening live and after the fact. And keep reading. <laughs>